On this Info Pilgrims Live, we talk all things ISIS, who they are, and where did they come from. It's an informative yet kind of crazy episode that you do not want to miss. So let's go. podcast recorded live in the collab studios in beautiful sunny florida oh, i love saying that don't mislead them jack don't mislead i them. mean it is beautiful and sunny but it's also quite hey, frigid hey, out hey can, can i finish my intro first oh that was still okay i'm sorry i haven't even introduced you yet. stay tuned there's more. vagabond <laughs> i am jack may and with me david dolby i had a great superlative for you this week and, and then you, you had to interrupt it. it what was it gonna be no 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 i didn't forget it i'm just it's not just gonna say there? it you're not gonna say nope it. Was nope, it like done. a positive superlative? Uh, not anymore. David, how was like, your week? My week was I like I said like I said in my interruption, it's getting colder out here, but I'm kind of digging it. One, because my grandmother does not like to put her AC below eighty degrees. And I am loving the cold air, baby. Woo! I can sleep again. But two, I don't know, just it's nice to see Florida. Go through winter in the 70s. 80 degrees? Yeah. That's borderline torture. It's comfortable, I guess. For a lot of people, that's comfort. That's like the comfort temperature. I feel like you've been brainwashed into saying that. Well, no. Your body rests at 96.7, I believe. Anybody back me up on that? 97? I mean, sure. The, what's the... That's what your body temperature is, yeah, but it doesn't so mean like you have to be like... 80 <laughs> isn't that hot. Yeah, he's a hundred. Ben, Ben's <laughs> looking at me. Ben knows. Ben I knows. Got problems, guys. <laughs> Dude, mine's at seventy-two always. I, I don't care what was, season it and is. And my dad, he was the same way. He'd always have it like 68, 70. Except that gets really expensive. Sixty-eight. Oh, yeah, that's brutal. Especially when you have a lot of people in your house. All right. Anyways, I want to talk about our topic this week. I finally got to watch the movie Vice. Have you seen the movie Vice yet? With President. Dick, Bush, Vice, Dick Cheney. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that on the airplane. So I sure have loved that movie. And that kind of leads into our topic this week. Um, Vice obviously depicted Dick Cheney's life, and uh, it kind of went from Cheney's drunken origins to his powerful reign as vice president. Briefest of drunken origins, so that was like yeah, but that see, was like small part of his. Backstory. If you do a little research on him, you see that Dick Cheney, like he legit got kicked out of Yale because yeah. he was drunk all the time. It wasn't just like oh he's drunk on the weekends. He was drunk every day going into class. Right. So it, I think they didn't depict it enough. I think well, they wanted yeah, to focus I, I, more I on his power I guess it was just a small aspect. part of the movie. Yeah. I was like, what is going on here? And he looked old from the beginning. Yeah, like, he did. I don't know how old he was. but Well, it, let's be fair. He, like, What's his name? Um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale is like 40 years old trying yeah, to depict he, a 20-year-old guy. He played him from 20 to like however old he was. That was a, oh, my one hang-up, and it's so shallow. Well, it's not my only hang-up, but one of my big reasons I didn't <laughs> enjoy the movie that much is because Christian Bale looks so old. That's yeah, Batman, did. dude. Yeah, oh. dude. But – no, anyway. He's always Batman in our hearts. Anyways, so like for me when I watched that movie, they talked about how like Dick Cheney was the reason ISIS was formed. And so it got me into thinking about like how ISIS truly was formed. You came up with that topic to, to me. You were like, hey, let's talk about the origins of ISIS. And I was like, perfect. So let's get started. I want to hear what you came up with in your research on why ISIS was formed. Well, one of the things that sparked my interest was recently you probably heard about it the leader of ISIS, and I wrote down his name. Oh, I did too. I always just say something like, from Durka Durka Muhammad Jihad. But his actual name was, 
Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. That was the leader of ISIS. That, that was, was well pronounced. <clears throat> Thank you. That was the <laughs> – we had the squad leader. Uh, quick tangent. Whenever we do, like, <laughs> missions when I was in the military, after the missions we get together, we talk about what we did in, like, an official meeting. And he would always go into extra detail to pronounce the people's names when he was discussing it. So he'd be like, Mechlen, Mechlenesnen, oh. and whatever. He just really Get emphasized that it. Was, it was always cool. It's like, oh, he's going for the culture points. But uh, no, this guy was, this was the leader of ISIS, and he was re- recently killed in a raid. I believe it was in October. It was like October 20 something. It was, re- it was yeah, within the last within couple the months. P- past couple weeks, actually. And I was thinking, right. oh man, we finally got the leader of ISIS. This has kind of been a half war we've been going after for the past six years, five years. And since Trump became president, there was talk that ISIS was for the most part defeated earlier this year. But it just kind of went away from the news cycle, I feel like. It was just kind of like, all right, ISIS is no longer a threat. So it got me started. It got me interested. Like, how did this how did this ISIS thing start? Because we've now seen the beginning and end of it. Like, we've experienced the whole scope of the ISIS phenomena. It. I mean, if it's not technically over yet, there's still the lone wolf supporters <laughs> and the jihadist forever people. But the the enemy force of ISIS is like destroyed from a strategic perspective, and they got the leader. So I was I was interested in the origin and how that kind of got started. And I was, was wondering how you were getting back to my question. Which was? <laughs> like, how was ISIS formed? Because you just kept went on a little tangent. I was oh, like, yeah. Well, this well, is, what yeah, is he this talking is about? generated the conversation okay. in my mind. And I was actually deployed when ISIS started uh, gaining popularity, so to speak. It was in 2013. I was in Afghanistan, and we were watching YouTube videos at the NWR, which is like the rec center. And it was all these high-def GoPro videos of this group <laughs> called ISIS with, like, uh, Islamic motivational music in the background and them just driving around shooting people and rampaging the land, basically. And this was after we had pulled out of Iraq, which I believe was 2008 to 2010, somewhere in that time frame. We pulled U.S. forces out of Iraq. And this seemingly militant rebel group was gaining a lot of traction in the vacuum of leadership that was left in Iraq. So uh, there's two, uh, what's the word, denominations in the Islamic faith, like Catholic and Protestant. There's the Sunni and the Shiite, and they do not see eye to eye. In my history class recently, I learned that the dispute between the two groups came from like a territorial uh, fight way back in the time of Muhammad's ancestors, like his direct heirs. They were trying to figure out who's the right heir. But there became two clans, and one was the Sunni and the other was the Shiite. And you hear these terms a lot probably when they discuss violence in the Middle East because those people are always fighting. But the ISIS group is Sunni, and they hate the Shiites. Now, Iraq was predominantly Shiite, and I think Iran is predominantly Sunni. So there's some tension there. And when I mean tension, it's like – because we as Americans were like, well, whatever. You guys both believe in Islam. You must get along to hate America. But these people do not like each other. But ISIS was t- – there was a Sunni rebel group that started taking territory over in Syria and some of the lesser controlled portions of Iraq in 2013-2014 timeframe. And uh, that was also during the Syrian civil war. And there was a lot of rebel factions going against Assad, who was the leader of Syria. And that whole area was very little control was going on. So ISIS was able to flourish in that that kind of, like I said, vacuum of order. 
and they were able to claim a lot of territory in Iraq and Syria and even push up against the border of Turkey with the Kurds, which is when the U.S. eventually got involved. Anyway, I was, I was going to take a break there for oh, a second. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where my brain was going with that. No, I was no, going to no, start saying I was going to be like, da, 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 da. Well, <laughs> So I'll jump in and kind of complete that thought. A big thing that, um, again, we're going to butcher this guy's name a lot, al-Baghdadi. Abu Bakir al-Baghdadi. Yeah. So his big thing was he saw that there was a divide between the Sunni and the Shiites in the regions, and he decided to prey upon that. He said... The United States came in, and they are the ones who destroyed our governments. They're the ones who destroyed our lands. So they're the ones we need to exterminate, and thus ISIS was created. And the whole faction from the movie Vice where, like, uh, al-Baghdadi was, you know, humiliated by Dick Cheney. His name was brought up, blah, blah, blah. That that created ISIS was completely false. Um, I did some research and contacted a, a lady by the name of Danielle uh, Ranieri, who actually um, – is a journalist who has been studying the ISIS leadership for the past 10 years. And she's, uh, she was telling me that the whole reason that he got control of power was because there was a divide there. People who hated America, there's people who loved America. And he saw that there was more hatred than there was love for America. So he preyed upon that. And that that's how ISIS was formed. Yeah, uh, to go to the timeline a little bit more, because that, that yeah. was some interesting stuff. In 2014, I just wrote this down, so it's going to sound like I'm reading it. ISIL attacks the Kurds on the Turkey-Syri border. Around September 2014 is when the U.S. began their air campaign when they started bombing ISIS positions. And 2015, the Russians began bombing ISIS positions as well. But the interesting thing about the Russian presence was they were more focused on supporting Assad, the prime minister of Syria, than they were defeating ISIS because they viewed all the rebels is bad. And this gets into like the American political presence over the in the Middle East a little bit. To go over the emotions connected with the rise of ISIS. Mm. Some of the big things we saw was HD brutal videos of beheadings and executions and kids being used as soldiers. These things were streaming into US media hardcore. So ISIS became like the super villain. When Afghanistan, we were like, ah, yeah, there's a war going on there. The people are bad, but we've been over there for so long. Should we be over there? And then ISIS started coming up, and people were like, we really need to defeat ISIS. These guys are bad, yeah. evil. And, uh, yeah, just their their violent rise. Let's see what else I have. The, oh, some of the stuff, some of the things before that. They first had their roots. There was a group called uh, Iraq and Syria, the state of Iraq and Syria, way back in 2006 when America was still in Iraq. And this was like a rebel faction that the U.S. was actually trying to drum up, not propaganda per se, but fear about this group. Like, hey, this group is bad and they're doing stuff against Iraqis. And the reason for that was they wanted to show that the problems in Iraq were being caused by people outside of Iraq coming in and messing with it. So that was like the Sunni-Shiite controversy. They're saying these Sunnis are coming over here and they're messing with the Shiites. One of the big instances was the bombing of a mosque at Askari. I think it's called the Askari Shrine, El Askari, in Samara, Iraq. It's called the Golden Mosque, and it was like this huge Shiite mosque. It's very uh, renowned for its importance, and it was bombed by allegedly Al-Qaeda members and that was like the Sunni 
group at the time that got a lot of the bad labels. So that those ideologies would eventually spread to what was ISIS and how these how these groups get their weapons and their support. That's part of the mystery. But I think if you but it's not I don't th- I think I'm going to interrupt you because it's not a mystery. I, you find hate is probably one of the most powerful tools that any government can use, whether it's an, a government or it's someone like ISIS. If someone who has enough hate and has money, they're going to funnel it into someone that also has hate for another person, uh, another person. Right. Yeah. And I well, I mean, the, the sad and there's thing, a lot of money in the Middle East. Yeah, there is definitely that. And I think that selling weapons is very profitable, mm-hmm. especially to people who hate people who have a lot of hate or like, <clears throat> excuse me, people who have a lot of religious fanaticism or yeah. faith. They want to buy weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and no. You the see that US modern sells news a today. bunch yeah. of weapons. And this is the thing. I mean, I did kind of two modes of research. I did the mainstream research, and then I went to, like, these go-to conspiracy th- – I don't want to say yeah. go-to conspiracy theories, but guys that will look at it from the other, the other side of the two lens. Ex- two extremes. Yeah. And these guys were saying that the U.S. funds rebel groups when they are not fans of the government. Okay. Hmm. Like in Afghanistan when we supported Osama bin Laden to help defeat the Russians. Why? Because it was advantageous for us, for the Russians to lose. So we gave the Afghanis a lot of RPGs, the same RPGs they would use (laughs) 2001 onwards to shoot at American helicopters. So you could say, all right, that's a slight oversight. You give people weapons. Who knows what they're going to use it for? I think the same kind of thing happened in Syria when we were supporting rebels to fight Assad in the Syrian civil war. We were giving them a lot of equipment, and we didn't always know where this equipment was going to end up. A lot of this equipment was ending up in uh, ISIS's hands, ISIS mm. control. So when you saw ISIS t- defeat Iraqi armies big time, real quick in like 2013, 2014, they were using advanced equipment. They were ha- they had U.S. Humvees, they had trucks, and all this stuff was like meant to go to rebels that the U.S. was supporting to defeat the regime that Assad had built up. But when you start throwing in weapons in a third world country with a bunch of rebel factions running around, the extremists are going to get them the most. Yep. And it's just, it's really, un- I, I don't even want to say unfortunate because that kind of downplays it. It's a tragedy when the U.S. supplies weapons to people who are going to use them against U.S. soldiers and, you know, innocent people, which it's hard to say who's innocent, but like yeah. the Kurdish civilians that were massacred by ISIS and all the people that suffered mm. under the ISIS takeover. There was weapons that the U.S. had sent over there that they ended up using. Well, and I, I think that one thing that ISIS does well, and I, I hate giving them compliments on this, but they are fin- fantastic at their propaganda. Yes. They they get their mission across to many people in ways that, I like, for me and you, would be, like, it's a, a, abhorrent. But to them, it's like, wow, like, hey, we're standing up against, you know, the Western devils. And I need to apologize. Ranieri is actually a guy, and I quote, said he's a she, and I apologize. He's a fantastic journalist. I just realized all my emails are calling him a she, and I apologize <laughs> if he listens to Ratings this. Plummeting. So, yep, yep. I want, <laughs> hey, I'm going to come clean. I don't want to be rude to this Jack guy. misgendered somebody. Yep. So it's I apologize, and if, I'm, I appreciate you still reading my emails, even though I kept calling you a she. <laughs> but anyways, uh, he goes on to, like, in his emails to tell me, like, that the structure is set up to make all these leadership people like gods. Like the new leadership, they his name's changed, but his last name, um, uh, again, I hate butchering these names. His full name is Al-Hashemite Al-Qurishi. And the Qurishi actually comes from uh, 
the descendant of Prophet Muhammad's genealogy. So basically they're saying he is a direct descendant of Muhammad. So that brings validity to his name and to the organization because people are like, oh, he's, you know, direct descendant of Muhammad. He can't lead us astray. And so that's another faction of, you know, propaganda they can shove down people's throats like, hey, let's lead, you know, the leader of our religion. Let's fall behind him and listen to him. Yeah, I think it's hard for the Western mind to conceive of a belief system having so much energy behind it because uh, we've been built on christianity yeah. but christian radicalism looks way different at this point than islamic radicalism and we're kind of over here thinking why would people even behave this way anymore how do yeah. they know it's right but at the same time the thing that fascinated me a lot was that you'd see these reports of like americans joining isis or europeans joining isis these people growing up in Western civilization and then leaving it and pledging their allegiance to ISIS. And I think one of the things that, like you said, ISIS capitalized on was a convincing message that people could really plug into and dedicate their life to. And that is something that they were lacking over here and something that everybody desperately wants, it would seem. Because if you decide that ISIS is like the message you want to plug into, you had some needs that were not being filled in your current life you know what i mean oh yeah and it's crazy to think an organization that only has 14 to 18,000 active fighters generates this much noise on a national scale yeah that's just crazy like people like when i think of isis before i did my research i was like oh you know they got probably like half a million followers p- people who are ready to fight at a, will- a willing to notice and it's literally only 14 to 18,000 like that's just nuts to me right not a lot of people, not a lot of bodies, but their scope of influence was very wide. Again, fantastic propaganda. And I think some of it was aided by mainstream media, who's who makes their Rightfully money off so. sensational yeah. news. So I think, like, what should Americans, how should Americans move forward in light of the whole ISIS phenomena that we've witnessed? <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, you, you have to be very careful about how you interpret the news and what's yeah. going on over there and who you decide is the bad guys right away. Because when America got back into the Iraqi conflict in 2016, 15, which I was a part of, we went back over there and we were like, all right, we're here because ISIS is bad. But at the same time, who are our friends? Because we had the Kurds as our friends, but there's the Islamic Kurds and then there's the Christian Kurds and they weren't necessarily friends. And then there's Turkey who thought the Kurds were terrorists and then there was Syria, who, you know, was trying to fight the Kurds and these other rebel groups to maintain their their status as the working mm-hmm. government. So there was all these different coalitions going on. And then you had like half the Western, uh, whatever, all the U.N. countries represented down there. So you had all sort, and it, it didn't seem like everybody was trying to fight the bad guy, like how the press would want you to think like, all right, this is, you know, World War II Part Two. We're going down there to take care of this evil threat. It became much more like, all right, let's tell everybody how bad ISIS is. Let's get some troops over there and let's work our angles as far as land and advantageous control. So so let's get to the underlying issue. What exactly is ISIS' purpose? Mm. What was it used for? <laughs> no, what what is their purpose today? Is it just to, you know, spread the hatred of, you know? No, I think if you're Islamic and this kind of is like Christian, you have the end goal of a united world under one belief system. And I think uh, Islam is very aggressive in their evangel- evangelism tactics. 
So they're trying to go out there and they're trying to unite all of Islam under one caliphate, like one. So you think they're they're trying to unite all the Muslims, but aren't they more leaning towards the Shi uh, the Shiites than they are Sunni? The Sunni would be the ISIS. And, oh, Sunni, okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the percentage is. Like, who has more at this point? I, well, because I, it's two, it's two like completely different beliefs in, in how a Muslim is supposed to act. Like, the Shiites are believing a more peaceable option, whereas the Sunni believes that the only peace that, that can be made is through war. Right. So, like, for me, like, is that really their goal? Because I feel like they have to unite <laughs> themselves before they can unite the whole yeah, world. Yeah, I don't think they view that unison as necessary i think it's like the one side will be like join us or you're not really so join us or die kind yeah of you're not really islamic but huh. i don't okay. know that's me speaking and yeah, i think no, a lot i want of, your opinion on that a lot of the western knowledge of islam is tainted by what we hear in the events of the last 20 years so yeah i definitely think that you know even even with isis we're not getting the full scope of what they do or what they kind of can encompass yeah i mean for all we know they could i mean they're just really good at creating videos. Like they really aren't involved in anything. It's just, you know, these little organizations that actually follow through with the actions. And then ISIS is like, Hey, that was us. Yeah. That was, that was like a running joke. ISIS claims responsibility for this attack. Whenever something bad happened, not really like a a joke, like a running sick. So they're the first one to get out there and say, this is us. I think it was after 2013 when they started moving on different territory in Iraq and Syria the Twitter account numbers uh, associated with ISIS were just like exponentially going up. So it was like all of a sudden there was all this activity. Mm-hmm. It felt kind of generated, like, all right, let's yeah. make this look bigger than it actually is. Yeah. But, I mean, it definitely worked. Well, and also, you know, us having those couple of kids who decided to go out there and join and then And I think the San Bernardino uh, shooting was... Was he? A re- I thought he was a rejected. I think there was no was shootings here ISIS. that people were like legitimate members, but they're yeah. all the lone wolf effect. So they more or less claimed to be yeah. ISIS. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and that was kind of that was going on in Europe big time too. You had a lot of bombings going on. And interesting fact: when I was in Iraq, we ran into these French people, and they were like, "We are coming here to find French people who have joined ISIS. We're hunting them down." Dang. And we're like, "Oh, oh my gosh, that's intense." Yeah, why would you leave France? But Anyway, it was a big thing. It was a big thing, and it, there was a lot of fear going on. Like, these guys will just chop your heads off. They don't care. They'll film it with a GoPro. The, these people are really bad. And I think it was part partially true. I think there's some barbaric people out there that will do anything. I think anybody can get to that level of mm. barbarism and, like, aggression and violence. I don't think they were anything uniquely different from other terrorist groups or rebel <coughs> groups that have come up in the past. But I think they had a specific role in how the U.S. could get involved in the Middle East again and kind of re-strengthen their positions over there. And that's what a lot of people are saying with how the new leader is already mocking Trump and saying like, oh, he's just a silly fat old man that his opinion changes from day to day. And so it's like, oh, this is just how they're going to bring Trump into another war. And it's like, Hmm. it it just seems like a cycle at one point. So you remember the chemical attacks in, I forget what the city was, it was in Syria, though, but it was a reason why everybody started saying, hey, Trump, we should bomb these guys. They just use chemical weapons <laughs> on people again. Mm-hmm. I think that was that one was proven to be a false flag, and there was other chemical attacks that were very suspect. Suspect. I, inf- suspect. Yeah. yeah, suspect. I said that weird. But um, they, they were using these kind of human crimes, like these atrocities against humanity, to stir up anti- ISIS or anti whoever they wanted to be sediments. So 
I would say whenever there's a report out there that ISIS did this or some terrorist group did this, read into it, get the perspective on it. Don't let your emotions just be controlled by Don't read just the first article on Google. Like yeah. I actually do more than one or two articles. And it just seems like people will set up villains for us to hate so they can get what they want. And no. I hate to be the people that are upset with villains because we're being manipulated. Well, uh, this is kind of a little bit off topic to get back to the whole Trump thing. I feel like Trump has been one of the most... Uh, Don't say res- it. No, no, no. Respectful. Not, maybe that's not the right word. I'm trying to think of the right word for this. Mm, studious when it comes to these attacks. He's not very quick to be okay, like... Okay, so he doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to jump the gun and say, like, let's send 50,000 troops over to Syria and wipe this out. No, it's like he's actually wants to do his research on it. That was a big thing when I believe it was Iran was attacking some of our ships mm-hmm. recently. And people were saying, we need to go to war. And Trump was like, I'm not going to kill people over something that didn't involve any deaths. And that that just made the left go yeah. crazy because they're like, oh my goodness, he's, he's supposed to be Trump. He's supposed to be like gung-ho. And yeah. And so they still spun it to make it like he's weak now because he's not going after these people. And it's like, he can't win in that situation. No. And I, I appreciate the to... I appreciate the attempt to move with caution yeah. instead of just rushing into something. Because what's happened in the Middle East in the last 20 years was a serious thing that's like millions of lives were affected from that Mm -hmm. and that was something that all like the entire western civilization walked hand in hand into that conflict and whether or not it's justified i'm not going to say it was or wasn't at this point i'm just saying what did happen was a significant event and it was significant because there was a lot of blood spilt Mm. and we don't just want to jump into something like that again because you don't know how many countless generations you're cutting off just like that I want to I want to finish with this question to you. Do you think that this is ISIS and, you know, I I would just say ISIS itself is the new wave of terrorism with its, you know, propaganda, its 4K videos of, you know, the brutal massacres. Is that the new wave of terrorism? I think I think yeah, I think those themes will be repeated now that people have seen what an excellent job they've done and that you can use all this great video technology with your terrorism. That's that's so sinister, but it did give it such a more visceral effect. I think and the drones, I mean, that was huge. I think you'll see a lot of that repeated. Even like the guy that shot up the New Zealand church, he had the GoPro on his gun. There's this whole new idea of filming everything that you do and getting it out there. I think that, you know, not to be cynical, but the whole Batman movie with him blowing up the football stadium kind of like, jump-started that whole like oh look you can show shock and awe with one single act and you can videotape it and the whole world sees it and that changes the dynamic of everything yeah i mean i think terrorist attacks were always going for that that was kind of the idea of the terrorist well, it attack. just opened the door for them in their minds i just like, don't oh, like you blaming batman one of my favorite movies all right batman rises was the worst the dark knight the- rises <laughs> Was the worst of the and trilogy. That was the Pittsburgh Steelers they had yep. in that scene. You had Heinz Ward and all yeah. that. Yeah, Heinz Ward, Big Ben. Yeah, but yeah, no, I think I think that sensationalism, <sighs> terrorism is the new thing. It it is a big thing. But if you look at the villain in America now, it's definitely the homegrown, radical alt right, alt left characters. Yeah, it's the and white guy next door. I haven't seen them start to use the HD propaganda footage thing yet. So I don't know if it's because there's not a whole lot of activity really going on for that or they just haven't bought into that yet. But it will be interesting to see. I would say that that, that is going to be one of the, 
the more somber notes of like the technology boom and combining that with terrorism is there's going to be more footage of it. You know, just, is, you know, I just thought Iron Man three did the exact same thing with their video footage of beheadings and shootings. Really? What's with all these superhero mu- movies doing that? Just getting it out there, yeah. get, getting people used to it. What is that? The uh, normalization of violence. It's brainwashing, Jack. They got us. Yes. They got us under control. All right. Before we get to David's thoughts, we got to do answer the internet questions. Remember, remember these? There's more. There's, Dude, we got a whole box now. Oh, okay. We got the box it's of it. It's never going to end. Fantastic game. All I'm right. I'm trying to collect my David thoughts. Here's your, here's your first question. Who's hotter, Ariel or Jasmine? Disney princesses? Yeah, man. I always like Jasmine. She's got a tiger. Nice. You agreed with 55% of the poll. Majority. Who has the easier job, Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny? I don't even know what the Easter Bunny does, so I'm going to say him. Yep, 83% agree with you. Waffles or pancakes? Waffles, dude, because you can hold all this. Man, you are going with the majority (laughs) today. I love waffles. What's better, being a cowboy or a pirate? Oh, pirate. Oh, cowboy. Dude, I don't know. Cowboy. Oh, pirate, 60%. I want to eat some beans by the fire at night. Just with, like, my harmonica. Here's some of the dark questions now. What would you trade a three-year-old baby for? Train a three-year-old Trade. Baby. Oh, trade. trade a, a Bucks quarterback. <laughs> we oh, need something. It's been too long. Dude, his last interception yesterday was absolutely <sighs> abhorrent. And a Bucks offensive line. I mean, if it's a, just, I'm going to get a bunch a of things. Team. Yeah. I think you got Mike Evans and that's it. Chris Godwin. He's a baller. Yeah, and Vita Bay. He's not good. I don't know. I get excited about all the players they draft. Last question. How long would you have to starve to become a cannibal? Who was with me? What? I mean, if you were with me, it's like day three. Jack's done. (laughs) Come on over by the fire, Jack. (laughs) No, it would take a long time. I think it would take like probably. I'm never going on excursions (laughs) with you ever. I, I think there would have to be a dead body, and I would have to, like, be delirious at that point. So probably, like, 30 days. 30 but I don't days. know. I just – I would You're going to starve for 30 days? Bro, I'm I'm with you on the I first one. A, Three days. I have an overactive – overreactive conscience. It would really plague me in my later years if I survived after that. No. I'd just no, come out would. with books if I did eat If you came out Jack, alive, you'd be like, it was, it. it was how I survived. That's the weird thing. People don't think about cannibalism, but it probably happens after they're dead a lot. Like, there's just a dead body, and they're saying – What in the world we can't is he let saying, it, Ben? <laughs> we can't let it what is he away. talking about? When I always thought of cannibalism, I was like, that's awful. You're just going to kill somebody and start eating them? But what if somebody was just dead and you were starving? That changes the whole dynamic of the situation. No, no, it doesn't. It's still a person. Now it's like their gift to you to continue the nourishment. <laughs> can we stop that on being this? said, I did do some research on the disease you can get from eating other people's brains. Why? <laughs> what it are was you doing? It was for a science experiment or something. Oh, my goodness. It was goodness. in my biodiversity life. And All right. It's just fascinating that there is a disease you can get from eating somebody else's brain that affects your brain. Yeah, isn't it basically like, like the Kumo mad cow or something? Yeah, it's like mad it's cow. It's like disease. mad cow. It eats your brain away too. Yeah, yeah. It basically makes you into a zombie. Yeah, fascinating. That's David's thoughts for the day. Oh, it is. How fascinating is it that if you eat somebody else's brain, you could become a zombie? That's a weird point in life. Like that's just. Well, the good thing is if anyone ever eats David, there won't be any brain. Hey, oh. <laughs> 
Let's end on that. Don't what? You yep. can just insult yep. me then. Yep, Where that's it. Dude, you have insulted me many times <laughs> on this podcast. I'm Hardly going to finish ever. on this. It's always good natured. That is all for us, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out all the content on infopilgrims.com. We have new podcasts and blogs out all the time. From all of us here at infopilgrims.com, we thank you for listening. And until next time, let's make America think again.